Bienvenidos and welcome to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, produced by Julieta Kusnir, Nina Serrano, Vanessa Bohm, and Vilma V. La Raza Chronicles stands in solidarity and dedicates this program to the victims of state-sponsored violence. Tonight's program intertwines the struggles against injustice towards U.S. immigrants, African Americans in Ferguson, and the disappeared Mexican students in Ayotzinapa woven with poetry and music that seeks justice for all globally. We begin with Noticias Sin Fronteras, news from the Americas. This is Vilma V with Noticias Sin Fronteras, news headlines without borders from America Latina for the week ending November 23rd. Cuba. Officials from Cuba's health ministry have announced that a Cuban doctor working in Sierra Leone has become infected with the Ebola virus. The Cuban doctor is believed to be one of the only individuals from Latin America to contract the deadly virus. The doctor was flown to Geneva from West Africa for medical treatment. Cuba has been internationally praised for sending over 200 healthcare workers to the region to confront the deadly epidemic more than any other country in the world. Another 200 Cuban medical personnel are slated to arrive to West Africa in the coming months. Estados Unidos. President Barack Obama announced last week that he will institute some immigration reform by taking executive action to limit the number of people who could be deported under his administration. The executive action is focused on those who have been here for at least five years and are the parents of American citizens or permanent legal residents. However, millions of undocumented immigrants remain subject to deportation and are not covered by the president's executive action. Activists have vowed to continue pressuring the president and the Congress until they pass meaningful and comprehensive immigration reform. Mexico. Demonstrations and general outrage continue throughout Mexico over the apparent massacre of 43 male students from a rural teacher's college in Ayotzinapa in the Mexican state of Guerrero. Last Thursday, a five-hour-long vigil for the students was held in San Jose, California, in front of the Mexican consulate. On that same day in Mexico, at the headquarters of the Mexican Union of Electrical Workers, a resolution was adopted at their national meeting of resistance movements, supporting civil disobedience and action in the name of the students. The signatories of the resolution have called for a National Day of Action and Civil Disobedience on December 1st, and again on December 6th. December 6th is a historic date. It is when Pancho Villa and Emiliano Zapata seized the presidential palace in Mexico City during the Mexican Revolution of 1910 through 1917. Chile. Two retired Air Force colonels, Ramon Caceres Jorquera and Edgar Ceballos Jones, have been sentenced to prison for arresting and torturing General Alberto Bachelet back in 1973. General Bachelet was the father of the current president of Chile, Michelle Bachelet, who was also held and tortured before fleeing with her mother to Australia during the U.S.-backed military coup led by General Agosto Pinochet. General Bachelet had remained loyal to Socialist President Salvador Allende and was tortured by the same members of the Air Force which he had led before the coup. In the capital of Santiago, where both men were sentenced, Judge Mario Caroso said that the two had, quote, repeatedly committed the crime of applying torture to their former superior, end quote. Nicaragua. The government of Nicaragua, led by President Daniel Ortega, has announced the start date for the construction of their new canal linking the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. On December 22nd, construction will begin in a port on the Pacific side of Nicaragua. The proposed 172-mile waterway will be longer, deeper, and wider than the famed Panama Canal and is set to be operational by 2020. Environmental activists have criticized the project, which is set to impact Lake Nicaragua and many poor communities in the area. Opponents also charge that the Hong Kong-based construction company behind the project, HKND, lacks experience in financing and developing huge infrastructure projects. Peru. 
Hundreds of sea lions were found dead along Peru's northern coastline over the weekend. Both adult and pup sea lions were found rotting on Anconcillo Beach along the coast of Santa Province in the Encash region of northern Peru, which is 250 miles north of the country's capital city, Lima. Earlier this November, a similar incident occurred further north in the Piura region, where the bodies of nearly 200 sea lions, dolphins, turtles, and pelicans washed ashore. Those deaths are still being investigated. Some government officials blame local fishermen and marine farmers of poisoning the sea animals, while Orca, an environmental group, claims that the dead sea animals are the result of noise and pressure waves caused by deep ocean oil exploration occurring in the area. This has been a summary of some of the latest news headlines from America Latina. I'm Vilma V for Noticias Sin Fronteras and La Raza Chronicles. If you have a news item or feedback that you would like to share, email us at larazachronicles at kpfa.org. is by Carecen, Central American Resource Center, San Francisco. Carecen, San Francisco, commends President Obama on making good use of his executive power to stop deportations for millions and urges further action to protect children and families fleeing violence in Central America. We understand that this executive action is not the permanent solution. We need to mitigate the negative impacts of the currently broken immigration legal system on families. Equally concerning is the statement that those who have recently arrived will not benefit from any relief and will be targeted for expedited deportation. We believe that any and all attempts to integrate hardworking immigrants, children and families must be comprehensive and inclusive. Achieving these protections and stopping deportations is not just the responsibility of President Obama, but of the federal government as a whole. While domestic policy and executive orders can and should extend relief to all immigrants currently in the U.S., the root causes of migration will not be resolved unless our nation's foreign policies towards developing nations are also changed. 
the current militarization and suppression approach to reducing violence does not address the structural and systemic problems that have led to a forced migration from Central American nations. Garesen Central American Resource Center continues to demand that the following steps be taken. 1. Immediate moratorium on all deportations. 2. Immediate protections for Central Americans fleeing violence and poverty in their countries of origin, including child refugees. 3. Pathways to permanent residency and citizenship for those currently enrolled in temporary protective status programs. Garesen will be posting regular updates and information as we learn more about this presidential executive order at garesensf.org. Buenas noches, I'm your host Vanessa Bohm, and for the last several weeks, La Raza Chronicles has been covering what has been taking place in Ayotzinapa, Mexico. As many of our listeners might already know, three students were killed and at least 43 students were abducted and have been disappeared. This tragic event has captured the hearts and minds of folks across Mexico and internationally. We are joined on the line by Roberto Lovato. He is a writer, journalist, and visiting scholar at UC Berkeley Center for Latino Policy Research, and he's also one of the founders of U.S. Tired 2. Thank you, Roberto, for joining us this evening and talking about this very, very important issue. Well, I'm happy to be with La Raza Chronicles again. So we have been covering the events in Ayotzinapa for the last several weeks. I know that you are working on a very important campaign to shed light and accountability for the 43 students and the three that were murdered. Clearly, their families and folks all around Mexico are working towards government accountability for the events that have taken place. Can you tell us a little bit about the campaign you're working on? Yeah, the campaign comes from, first and foremost, from our humanity. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with one of the sisters of one of the 43 desaparecidos. I can't give her name. I can't give his name because the family wants to have respected. And they can't speak out. They don't, you know, they're scared to speak out because they've gotten death threats in Mexico and in the United States. And so that, for some of us, there's an old story. Like for me, as a Salvadoreño, you know, I hear these stories and I just see the Salvadorenización of Mexico. The Salvadoranization of Mexico in terms of mass graves, military, police, and other security forces killing their own people, disappearing young people, especially like the 43 students from Ayotzinapa and Iniguala. And you just can't help but also know and remember that it's also being paid for with our tax dollars. So several of us have been watching and been aware of this, and we realize, God, you know, we haven't done anything here in the U.S. to stop our government from doing what it's doing in Mexico through the drug war. That's right. The U.S. hasn't come out to say anything against what has happened in Mexico. No, the U.S. has come out in Time magazine to say Peña Nieto is, quote, saving Mexico. That is how absurd the inversion and I think the danger of what we're facing. Nothing less than propaganda, right? Peña Nieto is not saving anything except the existing unequal power that NAFTA and CAFTA and other trade deals have foisted on Central and Latin America and Mexico. So we came together just two weeks ago, a group of us, and we thought we would go out and say, well, what's our inspiration? Well, over there, they're saying, ya me cansé, I'm tired. Ya nos cansamos, we're tired. So we hear said, oh, okay, well, we're tired too. So we came up with capital U, capital S, tired, and the number two. U.S. tired too. Just to manifest that we here are tired of our tax dollars helping kill thousands from among the 100,000 dead. We're tired of our U.S. military training people, 
that have disappeared, thousands from among the 25,000 disappeared people in Mexico. We're tired of watching students attacked and repressed. Students like the young Chilean, who many people here in San Francisco know, was captured by Peña Nieto as soon as he came back from Asia just earlier this week. So we're tired of so much lies and propaganda, and we're tired of our media not talking about Mexico and what our government's doing there. So we're now committed to stopping U.S. military and security aid to the government of Enrique Peña Nieto, and we're going to start making our elected officials accountable. We haven't done that, and so until we do that, we are partly responsible for what's going on in Mexico. I'm not trying to guilt trip people, but there's a political space there that is wide open. We've allowed the forces of darkness to put upon Mexico, and we have a responsibility now moral, first and foremost, and political, to do everything in our power to start stopping the flow of guns and training and political protection and other aid that's going not to fight any drug war, but to fight the Mexican people themselves. And so how can our listeners get involved in the campaign? Well, first and foremost, we are on the ground in 43 cities. The idea is that on December 3rd, we want to invite everybody to come out, wear white, bring a candle, and make the United States one giant flame for peace in Mexico. There are 43 cities, and we have one city for each desaparecido, for each student disappeared. So each city is going to tell the story of one of those human beings, because they were human beings that were disappeared. And we're going to demand that they be found and they be brought back alive, as is the demand of the people in Mexico and their families that we've been in touch with. And San Francisco and in the Bay Area, people will be at Berkeley campus at around noontime on December 3rd. There'll be a, a student action. And in the evening at 4 o'clock, there'll be a gathering, a vigil and protest in front of the federal building. Right? People have been going to the Mexican consulate, but, you know, by doing that, it's important to point out Peña Nieto, but we haven't been pointing any fingers at Peña Nieto's main financial backers, which is our government, the administration of Barack Obama. Most of the 100,000 dead in Mexico have been during the Obama administration. So in much the same way that we've started making people accountable on immigration, we need to start coming out to make people accountable for one of the main causes of that immigration. And that's the war on the Mexican people under cover of a drug war. And is there a website that our listeners can get more information about the campaign, just in case it's getting closer to the day and they want yeah. to look up this information? I think we have a pretty powerful social media and media operation set up in this all-volunteer effort. Everybody around the country, and we're talking about like hundreds of thousands of dollars of people hours that have gone into building this in two weeks. You can go to Twitter, US Tire 2, you can use that hashtag and you'll find us. You can go on Facebook, put US Tire 2, and you're going to get a whole lot of cities uh, in the United States. Their Facebook pages are all there. You have the main Facebook page of the campaign, the national campaign. We have a website, www.ustired, the number two.com. That's ustired, the number two.com. And you can find us there. And if you want uh, more information, you can email ustired2info at gmail.com. And, you know, we'll respond to you very quickly. We're 24-7 operation right now uh, between here and the West Coast and the East Coast. We've got people nonstop working on this, and it's really exciting. And, and one other thing, if I, can, if I may, one of the subtexts of this is I think it's really important is that this is nothing less than a kind of a sea change in Latino politics. Let's remember, like, solidarity with Chile, those of us that are old enough to remember or have studied it, or those of us who are old enough to remember solidarity with Nicaragua or El Salvador. The protagonists, at least publicly in that, were white people, mostly, right? While in the background, the Chileans, Salvadorans, and Nicaraguans would, you know, would be working with them, but the people that were up front and doing a lot of the front work were white, which is good and important because this is a very white country. But what's happening right now is that the overwhelming majority of these 43 cities, the primary people stepping up and being the protagonists are Latinos, primarily Mexican. And so... When you think about it, this is adding a whole other fold, and it's extremely different from, say, immigrant rights, where you had Latino operatives of the Democratic Party um, manipulating and aligning the movement with the needs of the Democratic Party. That's not going to happen with Mexico Solidarity. This is going to be a straight focus on a real, honest, and raw agenda. I mean, if you can't hear it in my voice, I'm really fired up and excited at that level, I'm saddened at what's going on. But in terms of, you know, being a student of Latino politics, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime, this kind of response, like in two weeks. So I just encourage people to join. It's exciting. 
It's inspiring. It's tragic. It's urgently necessary. And you can make a difference. Just go to our website, www.ustired2.com, and you can get whatever information you need to get connected to people and wherever. And please spread the word. Well, thank you so much for sharing that information. We would definitely love to talk to you much more deeply about this issue and continue to check in. Thank you, Roberto Lovato, for joining us this evening. And we really hope that our listeners can go check out the information about the campaign and get involved. Thank you, Vanessa, and thank you to La Raza Chronicles. The story of Mexico's 43 missing students is a tragedy of our time. 100,000 are dead and more than 25,000 have been disappeared, many of them killed with weapons and training paid for with our U.S. tax dollars given to the Peña Nieto government. The time has come to end the U.S. government's Plan México. Join the more than 43 cities mobilizing for peace in Mexico on December 3rd. For more information, please visit www.ustired2.com. La historia de los 43 estudiantes desaparecidos de México es una de las grandes tragedias de nuestro tiempo. 100.000 han muerto y más de 25.000 han desaparecido, muchos de ellos asesinados con armas y entrenamiento pagados con nuestros impuestos dados al gobierno de Peña Nieto. Ha llegado el momento de ponerle fin al Plan de México del gobierno estadounidense. Únete a la movilización en más de 43 ciudades por la paz en México este 3 de diciembre. Para más información visite www.ustire2.com www.ustired2.com
My guest today is Sandra Garcia Rivera. She's a very accomplished poet, a New Yorican poet, who's performed her works in the U.S., the Caribbean, and Europe. She's performed as a solo artist and alongside musical legends. She started writing poetry in the Mission District of San Francisco, inspired by local poetry master Pidi Thomas, who taught her that, quote, every child is born a poet, and every poet is a child, end quote. She holds an MFA in poetry from Antioch and has performed everywhere and is an activist with her poetry, serving as the curator of a literary series called Lunada. Bienvenidos and welcome, Sandra Garcia Rivera, to Cover to Cover, Open Book, the Poet to Poet series. It's a pleasure to have you. It's truly an honor to be here speaking with you today. Thank you so much, Nina. Well, I'm very excited about sharing your New Yorican-style poetry with Northern California listeners. I wonder if we could just start right off, plunge right in to your first poem. Okay, the first piece is called Reconstruction. A 15-round bout between Pedro and Piri while Papo smokes a J at ringside. Domino towers under a hazy Bronx sky at sunrise. Sofrito tongues tie obsession, piss, and pork in banana leaf wawanko. Tecato trees lean towards the street, uproot, swing through the garden gate, cracked concrete, frozen fire hydrants, subway grates, a hopscotch drop between bullets and cherry blossom flight, beef patties, a pizza slice, your titi's thighs, staircase size, alcapurrias chicken wings, razor stubble, neck sweat, goatee wearing, head wrap rocking, ghetto chic, cowrie shells and French tip nails, bacalao swimming under apartment doors, sticking to plaster walls, el super que nunca pasa el mapo, a crutch, a spear, arrow and baston, la voz y el negro bembon, ramito y la verde rama run, back alley troubadour decimation, lined lips, pen tips, mango, olive, coffee spit, tembandumba la quimba. Bamba, head spins parole, electric boogie heart beat and soul. You just heard Sandra Garcia Rivera reading her original work. Sandra, let's take that poem apart because that is such a New Yorican poem. First, let's take the word New Yorican. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, New Yorican is a hybrid construct related to the experience of the Puerto Rican migration, specifically during the 1950s when there was a major exodus from Puerto Rico, kind of an economic exile. People needed to leave the island to find work. And in this migration and the workers in the manufacturing industry and the the, hundreds of thousands of Puerto Ricans that came to the United States, obviously a hybrid identity started to form. Ni de aquí, ni de allá. Not from here, not from there. And so the New York identity and title came as a response to empowering those writers, those artists, those young people, and, and those migrants who now knew that there was something more to what that Puerto Rican island identity, and, and they were living it. And now there's a large and fabulous body of work of New Yorican poetry of which you are continuing to carry the torch. So let's take that poem apart. Pull out some of the little pieces and explain them. Well, I'll just start even by identifying some of the poets that are referenced or some of the artists that are referenced. When I say Pedro, I speak of Pedro Pietri and Piri as Piri Thomas. And Papo could be one of two characters. It could be Willy Perdomo who also goes by Papo, or it could be Jesus Papoleto Melendez. All of these are New Yorican poets and foundational to the work that exists now out there. Also, there's a reference to Ramito, who is the troubadour of Puerto Rico, one of the leading writers and troubadours. Yo soy un canario, un canario de amor. Entre los cantantes, yo soy lo mejor. Eso sí, eso sí. <laughs> and, and there's also La Voz, 
a reference to Hector Level. And there's also El Negro Bembon, which is kind of a, a phrase from a song by Ismael Rivera. And then finally, there's a reference to Run from Run DMC, because I grew up from the hip-hop generation, and to be a New Yorican of my generation meant that you had all these New Yorican poet references, these salsa references, this decima reference, and hip-hop reference, including Tembandumba, La Quimbamba, is also a reference to Luis Pales Matos, one of the instrumental voices of Poesia Negroide of the Caribbean, which also relates to Nicolas Guillén and, and other writers. The, the whole African stream of Caribbean writers. Yes. So this poem, your style, your delivery, it's so marvelous. It wakes you up so that it just pulls you along in its rhythms. I see that music is something that propels you in your work. Music is a, a primary influence. I think as a city person, an urban person, I'm always surrounded by rhythm from the subways where I grew up to being of the first generation of, of hip-hop and rap music to a later end of salsa and the Willy Colón years and the Fania years. Music is definitely, and sound specifically, is really important. Sometimes I will prioritize sound over a reference or a metaphor because the cadence is so important to me. What other poems have you brought us? You know, I'm seeing a trend here. So it looks like I wanted to focus on poems that had women as central characters or themes related to women and women's empowerment or social commentary related to women's experience. So I think that's what's happening today. Wonderful. So I'll share another poem. This one was written in San Jose a few years back, and it is in response to something I witnessed at the Martin Luther King Library, a gentleman watching videos on YouTube that were not very empowering, and hopefully you'll get the idea. This is called Looking for the Perfect Beat. He doesn't know I watch him. His favorite? The parking lot. Desert dry, dusty road slaps. Plays it over and over again. Can't get enough of this one girl kicked in the face. Silent fist smacking, hair screaming. In the air, legs flying, silent, blood seated in the library for one hour, seeking, scanning, hiding, rewinding, looking for the perfect beatdown, plays one after another, one woman beat on one. Two, three, beat on one. Four on the floor, beat on one. Raised fists in faces. Boots stomp bellies. Kick crotches. Hair rips, drips over raw knuckles. Skirts ride high above the thigh. In a futile struggle to withstand a blow to the head. By the fist, by the leg. Camera steady, ready, embedded. School buses fill, fever pitch cheers. Send chills, tribes align, gyrate in time, in silence. Each sister's soul, scarred, branded, and sold. Roll tape, beat one, camera set to stun. Wonderful poem. What else have you got for us? Oh, wow, how fun. Yay, I love poetry readings. <laughs> and what's so great is that you brought poems about women, my favorite subject. Well, it is a central theme. I, I guess I write what I know or what I'm trying to figure out. So given my experience riding the subways, I'm a public transportation person. I don't own a car. I've never owned a car. I did own a motorcycle once for a little while in San Francisco. But I do write a lot while I'm in transit and on transportation. And... I witnessed something on the subway once in exchange between a few girls in middle school where one was not being very nice to her friends. And this is what I wanted to tell her. This is called Ceremony for Six-Train Trampoline Queen. Hey, little sister, stick your baby fat back in your dreams. Is there no ritual or rite of passage for a six-train trampoline queen? Fourteen on the way to twenty-five, barely realizing you're alive, yet body of woman you behold, flashed like fruit in market, fresh sh 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 to be sold. Mango bursting belly, tender, dripping juice, barely slender over the waist of your skin-tight jeans, your breasts inverted tangerines, and you know it, Miss Sweet, wanna be sixteen. Will there be a quinceañera, 
promenading purity down the block, or a sexy and 17 libido going nonstop. Any honor for you? Is there no clue of your potential or respect you are due? Hanging out with girls easily impressed your nasty as you express unconsciously the image you project. No respect. Got the nerve to call your homegirl stupid, idiot, dummy, jerk. Yet who you to put your friend down playing big and bad on the underground? Your self-esteem's a glass pedestal, can fall and break, so fragile. Cause the minute she checks and responds, to hell with you, and then it's gone? We'll see who's got it going on. She'll have self-respect, she claimed, in spite of all the times you called her out her name. And what will be your claim to fame? Mira, whatever happened to that little putita around the way? Yo, didn't she get pregnant while Johnny's girl was away? Gave herself to any guy who told her he'd stay. Bendito wore her womanhood like a mask in a play. I hope the shards aren't too small to stick together with glue. And when your homegirl's gone, hope you find a new crew. Mamita, let me give you one small clue. With womanhood, the physical, that's only one thing, boo. It's strength of spirit and mind that gets you through. Divine hands make you a vehicle for life. Precious, disposable, lover or wife. So, mamita... Start asking, without further ado, where is the ceremony of womanhood for you? You're listening to the work of New Yorican poet Sandra Garcia Rivera. The musicality of your work is so strong. The musicality and the bilinguality and the biculturalism and the feminism, it also reveals you as an educator. You teach poetry, is that right? Yes, I do teach creative writing in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And do you draw a lot of inspiration from the students? Oh my goodness. Working with students is one of the most inspirational sources for poetry because you're in touch with humanity at its earliest, most raw and burgeoning experience. Our young people are open and experiencing everything that's going on in society, and they are teachers in so many ways, and so I love to work with young people. I work with middle school students, and currently I'm working with high school students, and I'm so proud of my students. Talk about resilience. I look at what's happening in San Francisco, the changes, the economic disparities, and I work with the students who are still here, whose families are still here, and I listen to their stories, and I am honored to be able to, in a position to nurture their creativity and empower them to speak their voices and their truths. And has their work influenced your work? What I learn from their work mostly is how out of touch I am with music, with current expressions. And so that's part of part of my homework with them is I ask them to teach me, okay, what's the latest slang out there? And, and let's work with that because they are the masters of their language. So I, I get a lot of inspiration from them. But stylistically, I try to be authentic to my own voice at the age that I am. Because just like working with the students, I, I really don't want to fake the funk. I want to be who I am at this age, and that's changing every day, hopefully, or just growing. What other poems have you brought? I've got a few, but I can share one more that I wrote as a for a collaboration with a local jazz musician named Brian Andres, who is a trap drummer. I work with different musicians around the Bay Area, both in bands and then just in collaboration. And with Brian Andres as a trap drummer, he wanted to work with me and see what kind of dialogue we could have. So I wrote a piece that's kind of in the genre of jazz poetry, but I think it's still me. So it's called Take the Moment. Take the moment and swallow a cloud. Erupt in a fountain of staccato similes. Shatter tinsel tunes, grind rhyme into syncopated static, tuned in twilight, tongue twisted. Pierce the wind, wield a steeple song, duel a dancing rainbow, deliver dragon secrets upon the breath of pristine pages, blown through whispering windows. Take the moment. Let the drum take the lead. Do it now. 
do it today, as if the drum depended on it, as if the cymbal would crash, fall from the sky, a bolt of glass, unsilence the snare, humming bird in a cage, wings of frenzy, ball bearings bound beneath the skin, arthritic and swollen, unable to roll, unable to roll across, unable to roll across the tide, take the moment. As if the skin depended on it, the Tom, Dick, and the hairy brush of time floating without the weight of desire, without the flame of fever. Oh, fever, you give me fever. Fiebre pa' tocar, fiebre, you give me fever, baby. Como la Lupe, como Mongo, como Tito. Because if the Tims had never skinned the surface of history, never dove into the depths of hibiscus mines, de parcha, de acerola, and if the bell depended on it, if the cows never came home, if the fat lady sang, jumped over the moon, and the little boy laughed out loud, <laughs> and had enough to eat, if everyone had enough to eat, and the drum was free, and there was no need for chemical cream to stand under the rays of sun, and no need for sons to fight against other sons, and if the drum was a battle cry, and each barril was a womb, and each womb contracted in clave, a six, eight, or three, two, or two, three, or one, ten, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and if the double Dutch rope kept the time, and if we take that moment, and the drum could save a life, and each bullet was a pandero, un barril, una timba, a djembe, each bullet, un conguito, each bullet, a chorus of heartbeats in the chest of the sky, a bata in the rainforest night, and each hand that touched a skin was a healer, the thump, bump, stroll, roll, tap, slap, the boom, bap, a canyon echo, a conversation with ancestors, a portal, a ripple on the surface of a sleeping pond, or a geyser, a plume of prayers, releasing a thousand bats to extinguish the blast, a throat, each vocal cord, the bass, the seguidor, the pulse, the infinite length of a line in all directions, each point a heartbeat, on, going. And if the drum took the lead, would we follow? And where would we go? Take the moment, release the noose, pierce the wind, Wield a steeple song, duel a dancing rainbow, bathe in cymbal crashes, deliver dragon secrets upon the breath of pristine pages, splash wings upon glistening silver night, baptize the stars in soul. Thank you. I wonder what you have as your final poem. Wow, that's a great question. I think I'll do something a little more intimate, a little more personal. I come from the school or the era of writing where there's a lot of encouragement for women to speak their truths. People like Audre Lorde and Sonia Sanchez and Sandra Maria Esteves and Maya Angelou and... Lorna de Cervantes or Anabacha and Aurora Levins Morales. These are all inspiring poets for me. And so I take a chance and I speak my own truth at this age and time in my life. And this is the only reference you need to know is the initials SP are for Sylvia Plath. And this is called Barren Woman. Chopping it up in the kitchen, fluorescent lights, Wednesday noon. I told her I'd dropped down to 101. Stress and heartache, best weight loss program around. Free, too. She looked me up and down, asked, You barren? I thought, barren? Wow, she's bold, popping a question like that in the middle of the day, hardly know her in front of the coffee machine. Me? A child? And I thought about it for a while, and I felt proud that someone actually thought it possible for me to be in the practice, in the body, able to actually bear a child in my body. And I fantasized in that moment or three that I was bearing a gift barren fruit, persimmons or a basket of tangerines, barren witness to my belly growing, while I, all these days, had been burying the dream of ever having a child. And in that split second, or three, that the universe was planting a seed in me, I did a double take in my brain, repeated the question to make sure I heard it right. Did you ask if I was bearing? 
And she said, no, I asked if you were barren. And with that one slant and inflection, I was drop-kicked out of the fantasy, the script flipped, planted back in reality, to the coffee drip of the kitchen, back to the life she read so well. Barren? Really? Hadn't heard that term since I read the poem by S.P. And wasn't that 1962 or 63? How cold a consonant. How cruel a vowel can be. Do people still actually use that word? Hadn't it fallen out of fashion, dropped right out of the dictionary? Sure wish it had. Sure wish. What a moving poem. Thank you. I want to leave people with your song. Because you're also a musician, you don't just write musical poetry, but you actually sing music. So we're going to close with your rendition of Sueño, 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 a traditional Puerto Rican song as played by Yerba Buena. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sandra Garcia Rivera.
poem is by Rafael Jesus Gonzalez, and the flute music is by Hera Marin. Luna sobre Ayotzinapa. La luna llena vuelve las sombras en águilas y en jaguares, en colibríes y en culebras que se cuelan por las aulas y sofocan los pasillos de la escuela normal. Su luz mera se torna en los ecos de los gemidos de la llorona buscando sus hijos desaparecidos. Una mezcla de dolor y de rabia inunda los patios y calles. Hay lágrimas y sangre en el viento, aullando por la justicia. En sus respisas aletean los libros como mariposas nocturnas y se mancha de sangre la bandera. Moon over Ayotzinapa the full moon turns the shadows into eagles and jaguars, into hummingbirds and snakes that infiltrate the classrooms and choke the hallways of the teacher's school. Her very light turns into the echoes of the moans of La Llorona looking for her disappeared sons. A mixture of pain and of rage floods the patios and streets. There are tears and blood in the wind, howling for justice. In their shelves the books flutter like night moths, and the flag is stained with blood. just heard Rafael Jesus Gonzalez reading his original poem and Gerardo Marin playing two different flutes. Que llorado 
This is Cronicas de la Raza, La Raza Chronicles, calendar of upcoming events. This weekend through December 6th, there will be a Cuban cabaret, Explosión Cubana, Una Noche Tropical, will be happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday until December 6th at Dance Mission Theater. You can find out more information at Dance Mission and see the Alayo Dance Company, an evening of Cuban cabaret complete with dinner and a show. On November 30th, you can hear an intimate evening of music with deep cultural currents featuring solo performances by Diana Gameros and Edna Vasquez, a Portland-based Mexican singer who recently opened for Lila Downs on her Northern California tour. The show will be at Studio Grand in Oakland, California, and will start at 6.30 p.m. That's this Sunday, November 30th. You can also catch A Weekend with Pablo Picasso, written by and starring Herbert Siguenza of Culture Clash. You can see this at the San Jose stage now through December 7th. Shows will be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday matinee. San Jose Stage Company is in San Jose, and you can find out more at thestage.org. You can also look forward to Clinica Martimbaro's annual Salsa fundraiser. Every year, student volunteers from San Francisco State University hold a salsa night to raise funds for their strictly donation-based clinic. Clinica Martimbaro, which provides basic medical care, psychotherapy, and health education to people of the Latino community who may not otherwise receive access to these services. The Salsa Night will be Saturday, December 6th, and will be at the Women's Building of San Francisco. And last but not least, you can mark your calendar December 20th and 21st. KPFA will be holding its annual crafts fair and it will be celebrating its new home at the Craneway, located on the Bay Trail in Richmond, California. Over 200 professional artisans, craftspeople, and fair traders will be on hand to present their unique work. Plus, there's live music each day and food catered by Ensemble Restaurant. Those are just a few of the many happenings in the Bay. If you have an event you're putting on and would like to include it in our weekly events calendar, you can email us at larasachronicles at kpfa.org. And to stay up on local events and breaking news, you can like us on Facebook. This has been Cronicas de la Raza's event calendar. You've been listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. If you want to hear this program again or share it with your friends, find us at La Raza Chronicles at SoundCloud.com. Stay tuned next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for more news, arts, culture, and music con un sabor latino. Hasta la próxima. Buenas noches.